Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Welcome, welcome, and thank you for tuning into the season eight premiere of Maryland's most notorious murders, where the most gruesome, the most horrendous, the most high profile homicide cases in Maryland, they are discussed, they are examined, and they are profiled. Did y'all miss me? <laughs> Um, and it was a little break we had at the season, after the season seven finale. Um, you know, the mental illness murders where we discussed, um, all types of murders where they had a mental illness aspect to it. Um, and now we're back for a whole new season. Welcome to season eight now. I can't believe, I cannot believe that we are literally in season eight and, season eight and we have like discussed all types of horrendous infamous brutal homicides in maryland from uh sick and twisted pedophile related types of homicides um everything from those type of murders to uh the mental illness murders like we did in last season so and since we're beginning a whole new season which is season eight with this episode just what do y'all think the focus for this season will be now i'm gonna start this season off with um the topic of this season before i even get into the topic of it i'm gonna start off with a little story now when i was about 10 or 11 years old growing up in the 80s in west baltimore i lived on uh, presbury street uh for many people that don't know I could be a little sassy. I mean, I was a girl. I was a little mouthy, especially at home. And I can't remember, like, on this particular day, what I was doing. I was probably trying to show off. I mean, I don't know. I was trying to, I was probably trying to mouth off. I don't even remember. I mean, come on now. My memory ain't the best. But I cannot remember what I, I was trying to do something. Uh, I can't remember what was happening. But either way, I can't, um, my mother just kept hitting me. She kept slapping me, slapping me the back of my neck. Not hard, but enough to get my attention. You know, um, it was for something I didn't do. I cannot remember what it was. But either way, she just kept hitting me in the back of my neck. You know, just, just get in the house, you know, like that. So I can't remember what it was for. But either way, I just snapped. I turned around. I started swinging my little fist on my mother like she was a dude on the street. I mean, I'm talking like I'm like 10 or 11 years old. I turned around and I'm swinging like I'm Muhammad Ali or somebody. <laughs> I mean, my little hands. I mean, I couldn't do much damage. I think I was getting like maybe hitting her in the chest or whatever. Um, I'm doing this at 10 or 11 years old. I snapped. See, back then, I didn't know like... Uh, in, in my house that, you know, that, that was one of the worst things that you could do. 
trust and believe was put your hands on a parent. I mean, it could have been in anybody's house at any age. But I'm telling you, I'm swinging and whatnot, 10, 11 years old. I don't even know if I made any contact with the blues. I can't even remember. <laughs> but what I do know is this. And what I do remember is this. Uh, when I got myself together, or should I say, when I thought that I had gotten myself together, I was laying under the kitchen table. <laughs> That's what I remember. I came to under the kitchen table. That's what I can remember. Damn near fighting for my life. I say all of this to say this. As a young kid, I snapped. 10, 11 years old. I wasn't even 12 yet. That I do know for a fact. I was not even 12 yet. But luckily, my mother ain't play that type shit. And I sincerely and genuinely felt guilty. I really felt bad about putting my little hands on my mother. But I realized that it it didn't it don't take a lot for me to just snap. But although I had quote unquote just snapped and my mother had basically knocked shit out of me, <laughs> I eventually came to and felt bad about what I had done. But what about the kids or adults who quote unquote just snap or flat out, you know, plan their parents' murders or demise? What about those kids who do more than, you know, just snap or who do more than just a little air punches or whatever? According to uh, LegalDictionary.com, the word parasite is defined as the murder of a close relative. Uh, that close relative, it could be like your siblings, like a brother or sister, or the victim could be like your aunt, uncle, cousin, or any other close relative. Uh, and for those listeners who are truly familiar with me and my story, no, 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 let me repeat this. Jeez. No, I will not be profiling or discussing the murder of my father for any particular episode for uh, this season. Even though I know y'all going to be like, okay, well, you know, that's, you know, your case or whatever. But that case has already been profiled for TV One several times. And that's pretty much like old news right now. You can already check all of that on my payback episode on TV One. Or you can check out the episode entitled uh, Why I Do What I Do. You can also check out the episode, anyway, for Justice by Any Means. But anyway, for no, I'm not going to be profiling or talking about that particular case. But for this season, season 8... The focus or topic of discussion will be killers who, for whatever reason, have murdered their mother or their father or their grandparents or any type of caretaker or person that was responsible for taking care of them. Basically, killers who have been accused and convicted of murdering a parent or grandparent or caretaker. So for this season, season 8 premiere, the episode that I'm going to profile is the 14-year-old murderer, Hussani Grant. I'm sorry, Hussan. Who this name right here, Hussani Garrett. And like I have done in every single episode that has been featured on this podcast, a portion will be dedicated to an unsolved homicide that needs special attention, or it needs to be reopened, or 
talked about or discussed or something because basically not a lot if anything is being done anymore and the unsolved murderer um, the unsolved murder that I'm going to profile for this episode is the shooting murder of 27 year old Angela Juanita Bowens now by all published accounts and stories online and public records it looks like 14 year old Hassani Garrett was doing good uh the teen stayed out of trouble he had no issues he had no criminal record no history of school suspensions he got good grades as a matter of fact Hussani's grades and attendance at school was so good that when he was in the eighth grade at Waverly Middle School he was accepted into the Frostburg State University's Upward Bound program which is a program where students have to maintain an A or B average in math and science. That's where their focus of studies is, where their area of expertise lies at. This program is an excellent precursor to college programs where exceptional kids are taught to their full talent and potential and ability to use their natural God-given talents and skills in math and science to further their education. In other words, Husani was smart. He was focused. He's not what you normally see, especially from being raised in, in the city. Seems like he was on the right track, heading to greatness. So just what the fuck happened? What pushed Husani over the edge? Was it rage? Uh, was it... Uh, you know, abuse? Was it the pressure of maintaining those good grades that made him just lose it? What was it? On the morning of March the 31st, 2011, Husani just seemingly snapped. He wasn't no big kid at all either. I mean, this 14-year-old stood at just 5 feet, thir- five feet 3 inches, and I've seen his picture on TV. Dude looks like he's 10, 12 at the most. But on the morning, on that morning, this baby-faced ninth grader would never be the same. Hussani had been staying with his grandmother, 66-year-old Shirley Garrett, for whatever reason in her home in the 800 block of East 34th Street in Waverly. And the living situation there apparently wasn't working out with Hassani. According to articles for the Baltimore Sun, Hassani didn't like the way that his grandmother had been treating him. Around 6, 6.10 a.m., after Hassani woke up and started his morning routine of getting ready for school and having his breakfast like any other day, Hassani started thinking about how much his grandmother had been treating him bad. And in his little 14-year-old mind, Hassani decided that he couldn't take it anymore and he was going to do something about it. So after Hassani finished his breakfast, he went to the bathroom where he got a hammer that had been left in the bathroom upstairs. Then Hassani marched into his grandmother's bedroom where he watched her still sleeping in her bed. Then with his grandmother still lying in her bed asleep, Hussani hit her in her head with the hammer. The injured and stunned woman opened her eyes and woke up. 
and Hassani hit her again in the head with a hammer. I can't even imagine you waking up to being struck in the head with a hammer. That's how you waking up. This time, uh, after hitting her twice, uh, she got the 66-year-old woman got out of her bed and tried to run away from her grandson, who I know she thought had lost his entire ever-loving mind. Shirley got up out the bed and tried to get away from her grandson, but she ended up falling face first into a bedroom mirror and knocked over a fan that had went falling to the floor. I mean, what do you expect when you crack somebody over the head with a hammer, whether they're 14s or not? I mean, especially while they're sleeping. Tossing the hammer to the floor, Hassani then started beating his grandmother with his fist. And not satisfied with the damage that his little fists were doing, Hassami picked up the hammer again and started beating her in the head again with the hammer. When his grandmother stopped moving, Hassani waited a minute or two before he came to his senses. You know, after he realized what he had done, he, you know, probably was like, oh my God, you know. Then he called 911 to report to the dispatcher that his grandmother was hurt. That's all he would say was that she was hurt. When the EMS personnel showed up at the home a little after 11.15 a.m. and found Shirley lying face down in a pool of her own blood with obvious injuries to her face and head, they called the police themselves. And when the Baltimore City Police officers showed up, they found blood on the walls, blood on the floors, blood on the furniture in the house, and blood on other various items that had been thrown all over the police. The, the, the cops, they could also clearly see where Shirley had struggled and fought for her life, you know, with bloody handprints and broken glass every, everywhere, her head print that was left, like, in blood on uh, the mirror. Barely alive, Shirley was rushed to John Hopkins Hospital in critical condition where Hassani was arrested and taken to Baby Bookins for questioning. When... The, when his, with his family by his side, Hassani calmly confessed to the police, uh, well, to the detectives, that he had beaten his grandmother with the hammer because he ain't like the way that she had been treating him. And although Shirley was in critical condition and still breathing when she was rushed to the hospital for her injuries, on December 18, 2011, nine months after she was attacked, Shirley lost the fight for her life and died as a result of her injuries at Union Memorial Hospital. And at first, Hassani was charged as an adult with attempted first-degree murder, but in August of 2011, the courts determined that uh, Hassani would be charged as a juvenile with murder charges. And because Hassani was charged as a juvenile, in this particular homicide, whatever sentence that he did receive has been sealed and it's not available to the public. So with that being said, I have no idea what sentence Hussani did receive, but I do know that he's no longer incarcerated. So, you know, if I had the chance to ask him, I would ask, you know, Hassani, what made him so mad? It, it had to be more to it than just you didn't like the way your grandmother had been treating you. I mean, uh... 
was there abuse involved? I mean, what was she doing? I mean, I'm trying to give you the benefit of the doubt. I mean, the reason why this case was so notorious in Maryland was because, I mean, look at him. He was 14 years old, and he beat his grandmother basically to death with a hammer. Something is definitely off there. Um, he was, I think he was extremely lucky to be charged as a juvenile because I definitely don't see that happening today. Um, this happened in, uh, what was this, uh, 2000, let me see, uh, this was in, uh, 2011, which wasn't that long ago. So, I'm, I just don't know what was the determination in having him charged as a juvenile, because if this was to happen today, um, I see whoever did this now in the state of Maryland being charged as, as an adult just because the only reason he got was that she was treating me bad. I just don't see that happening today, especially, you know, not in this state. Um, I wonder, I feel sorry for the parents, um, his parents knowing that he killed their mother, basically. that That's a hard pill to swallow and a hard pill to forgive. Um, that's very, very difficult to do. Uh, you know, nobody really talks about the damage that that would have done to them. Um, and to attack a person while they are sleeping and vulnerable, that's kind of cold and calculating to me. And like I said, um, I'm just surprised that he was not charged as an adult, even though he was 14. It says premeditation to me. It doesn't say like second degree. It says to me, first degree murder, um, unfortunately but either way yeah when i heard about this i was shocked i'm not gonna lie um i have one of those photogenic memories and i remember seeing uh his picture on news and thinking a kid and you 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 cracked your mother your grandmother over the head with a hammer wow so we really do have to be afraid of our own kids and grandkids and whatever because they're quote-unquote not feeling right or don't like the way that you're treating them or the way that you're talking to them. Man, this generation, I swear to God. Woof! Yeah, so yeah, this definitely did make the list um, as one of Maryland's most notorious murders where the focus is on uh, where the murderer uh, killed a guardian, like a parent, caregiver, grandparent, and this will be the first case that went down as one of Maryland's most notorious murders, as one of Maryland's most notorious parasite cases. And now we're going to do what we always do and moving right on into this episode's Unsolved Homicide. And just like in every single episode that has been in this podcast, although a lot of attention and focus is placed on homicide cases where uh, they may have received a lot of press, a lot of attention, a lot of media coverage. This podcast also shines a light on the many homicide cases that we see in this state that do not receive a lot of attention. They don't receive a lot of press, if any at all. You might hear something about it maybe a day and then that's it and they'll move on to somebody else. That's what happens in the state of Maryland. These type of, com of homicides that are so common in this state that there's not a lot of time to focus on just one. Just when you're trying to digest somebody getting killed, here's somebody else getting killed. 
and sometimes when a person gets murdered in this lovely state of Maryland, especially, you know, in the part where I live, sometimes you don't hear nothing else about it other than the initial report. And the number of homicides that are unsolved in this state is completely, completely, unbelievably staggering. Honestly, I'm telling you the truth. It's like, it's obvious that homicide detectives, they, they cannot do it all. Like what you see, you might see on the first 48. You might think it might be like that. But trust and believe, in Maryland, it's not like that. Homicide detectives are often overworked, underpaid, under stress, and flat out outnumbered and kept busy all the time. But, you know, what happens to cases where they want to solve them, but cases where nobody is talking at all? What happens where there are absolutely no clues, no evidence, no witnesses whatsoever? Or what happened to cases where because of the victim's past or the victim's lifestyle, where it seems like the detectives ain't really trying to investigate the case because the quote unquote, they might've had it coming. You'd be surprised. Or what happens to those type of cases where, uh, they just basically are waiting to, it just seems like they're waiting for evidence to fall out the sky. I mean, did the killer or killers simply just get away with murder? What happened to the cases where, you know, I've even talked to, uh, people where, it's like they know who killed their loved one. They know it, but they just can't prove it. You know, they don't have enough evidence. You know, it's, they can't, they don't know how to reopen a case. They're stuck. It just seems like did these killer or the killers simply, did they just get away with murder? It just seems like literally nothing is done with these forgotten homicides, not because nobody cares anymore, but it's because the public simply forgot all about it it's because we've been bombarded by new homicides it's like we have and it's almost like we have become immune to homicides in this state well on this podcast although i do talk about cases where the murder they did receive a lot of attention and notoriety on the flip side a focus is also on homicide cases that did not receive the amount of attention that they deserved and with that being said, this episode's unsolved homicide is the shooting murder of 27-year-old Angela Juanita Bowens. On Saturday, November 30th, 1991, at approximately 4.30 p.m., Angela Juanita Bowens, who lived in a 2700 block of Loretta Avenue in West Baltimore, she told a friend that she was waiting for a new male friend to come pick her up. Angela's friend had seen her standing on the corner of Emerson Avenue and Poplar Grove while she waited for this new mysterious new friend. That same day, or basically that same night, around 9.45 p.m., two people who had been driving past the Diamond Ridge Family Park in the 7500 block of Dogwood Road in Woodlawn looked over and saw Angela's body lying in the parking lot. Angela had been shot and after the police showed up at the scene after they were called, Angela was pronounced dead. Now, as of today, Baltimore County homicide detectives have zero clues 
no evidence, no witnesses, no suspects, and they need all the help they can get from the public. You know why? Because I'm quite sure that somebody knows something. No matter how old this homicide is, and this homicide, this occurred in 91, y'all. So this is a cold, cold case. But I know somebody knows something. They always do. Even though a lot of this stuff happened in Maryland, Maryland is a small-ass state. Somebody knows somebody. They know they, they talk. They when they, Somebody knows somebody who knows some, something. So if you have any information at all that you want to provide in this unsolved homicide that can lead to an arrest and conviction, please call Baltimore County Homicide Detectives at 410-307-2020 or you can call Metro Crime Stoppers at 1-866-7-LOCKUP. You can also text your information or tip to CRIMES, which is C-R-I-M-E-S or 274-637. Once again, those numbers are, you can call Baltimore County Homicide Detectives at 410-307-2020 or Metro Crime Stoppers at 1-866-7-LOCKUP. You can also text your information or tip to CRIMES, C-R-I-M-E-S, or on a numeric keypad that is 274 274- 637. There is a $2,000 cash reward for any information that can lead to an arrest or conviction for this unsolved homicide. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast via Spotify for updates on future spine tingling, hair raising, eye popping episodes. Once again, subscribe via Spotify. And for paid subscribers, be sure to check out the real, the raw, the uncensored version of why I do what I do, why I decided to start a true crime podcast, and why I'm so much into true crime and serial killers and mass murderers and spree killers and all that other stuff. A lot of people think that I just woke up one day and then boom, I'm, I'm just going to jump on a bandwagon and I'm just going to start a podcast. But nope, that is not even half of the truth. There is a real therapeutic message to this true crime world of gore and mayhem. And if you click on the episode entitled, Why I Do What I Do, you'll understand more about why I'm so weird, so crazy, so out of it, so fascinated with true crime. I also want my listeners to know that very, very, very soon, I believe it is um, dropping in the month of July. I gotta ask my um, people, but I believe it's in uh, the month of July. Uh, the documentary version, the film version of this podcast episodes number one, which focused on accused child murderers Aiden Canelia and Paula Carpio Espinoza, will be released very, very soon. And when the documentary, which was produced by uh, Savage Life Productions and filmed on location in Baltimore City, when that will be available for download, I will definitely keep you guys posted as to where you can download it. 
And while you're at it, stop on over to the new website, Marilyn's Most Notorious Murders.com, where you can access all episodes of this podcast and check out the different seasons that we have focused on, like relationship, husband, wife types of homicides, or even uh, Marilyn's infamous teen killers. And on that website, uh, Marilyn is spelled MDS. So it's mdsmostnotoriousmurders.com. You can also find links to all of my true crime books that are loosely related to this podcast entitled uh, Marilyn's Most Notorious Murders, 1990 through 2008, the upcoming uh, Marilyn's Most Notorious Murders, 2009 through uh, 2020, Marilyn's Unsolved Homicides, Volume 1, and my local bestsellers, Until I Get Caught, The True Story of a Serial Rapist in Baltimore, and also um, uh, Junkie, A True Baltimore Story. And uh, like I said, since we are focusing this season, season 8 focuses on uh, parasite killings or murders of gardens or caretakers, you can also check me out on season one of payback which airs for the tv one network you can check me out also on the oxygen network for black widow murders where i profiled Marilyn's female serial killer uh josephine gray who was also profiled on uh an episode of this uh podcast or you can check me out on tv one's justice by any means tv one's fatal attraction where I profiled the uh, North Carolina child murderer, Peter Moses. Or you can find me hosting uh, Killer Kids for the LMN Network, where I profiled uh, teen killers Sarah Citroni and Jason DeLong. Once the Season 1 documentary is available for download, you'll also be able to find the links here at MarilynsMostNotoriousMurders.com. Please, please be sure to tune in next week where another gruesome, another high-profile homicide occurring in Maryland. It will be profiled, it will be examined, and it will be discussed on Maryland's most notorious murders. And this has been a Savage Life production.